Hey, not much. Are you recovered from your, from your illness? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. Glad to hear it. How's everything else going with you? Yeah. Uh. Nice. That's always a good thing. Uh, you know, uh, I'm rocking and rolling. I tweaked my back uh, about a week and a half ago at the gym, and I'm okay now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is it's I'm, I'm I'm getting up there now. I can't be can't be fucking around with these young kids lifting all this heavy weight and shit. So it's time to sit my ass down. Yes, sir. And welcome back to another fun-filled, action-packed episode of the Morning Star Show featuring Super Slide 75. I am your gracious and ever-humble host, Super Slide 75. I want to give a shout-out to Rodney Boards. Uh, secondly, I want to give a uh, shout-out to uh, Boss, a.k.a. the Slave Driver, a.k.a. Cindy, uh, the producer extraordinaire. Also, uh, please feel free to donate any amounts. Uh, which go to website and airtime. It's labor of love, but we still live in a costly world. If you appreciate the free content, please help us to keep the message uncensored and free. You can always donate through PayPal at onthewakeupradio at gmail.com. You can always visit us on www.onthewakeupradio.com. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, iTunes, uh, I'm sorry, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio for replays in case you missed some of your favorite shows. The call-in number, as always, is 646-547-1305. You can find me on YouTube under SuperSlot75, and the backup channel is called Heavily Flawed Individual. Also, merchandise is always available at teespring.com forward slash SuperSlot75. Now, I want to give a shout-out to uh, my new favorite show, which I reluctantly wanted to, uh, was, was going to get into this uh, when it first came out, which is The Watchmen. The Watchmen is my new favorite show on HBO. Shout out to Damon Lindelof. Uh, he's one of the head writers on that show. Um, if at this point you don't know what's going on with the, with the, with the TV show, I would say, I highly implore you have to watch the movie. It would fill in a lot of pieces, a lot of puzzles for you as, as I explain what was going on in the episode. So the TV series takes place 30 years after the movie. Okay. 
So let's get into the episode three. A lot, a lot of high science in this one. Um, a lot of high science. So let's get into it. So Lori Black calls Doc. Am I cutting? Oh, that's not good. Um, let's try this. Is that better? Blah 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 la 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 la. Is that sound cool? Oh shit. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're good. I think we're good. All right. Oh, also. Uh, okay. Um, if you also, um, I'm currently on my demonetized channel. Uh, if you follow me on YouTube, uh, which is a super size, super size 75. So you want me to call back and try it again? Yeah, let's, let me, Let's um let's do a break. I'll restart my phone just to make sure it's not my phone, and then I'll call you right back. Okay. Okay, everybody in YouTube land, going to restart my phone because uh they're messing with the interference and the signal. So, <laughs> so I'm going to wait until I call back in. To start my breakdown of the Watchmen. But if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know what the fuck you've been waiting for. Zack Snyder probably regarded as the best comic book movie ad- adaptation so far uh, is the Watchmen. So if I'm saying what what I'm saying is foreign to you or it's like I'm talking in a third language, you would have to go watch the movie to kind of uh, fill in the pieces. So let's try this again. And then also, um, I will at some point address the YK Osiris situation, even though I, at this point, what needs to be said, I personally don't care. I, 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 y'all care more than I do about what the boy said and what he's going through. What, what, what have, what have we not seen this before? This just, that's just my, my take on it, but you know, it is what it is. You almost really care about this YK Osiris kid. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay, and we're back on the Wake Up Radio. This is the Morning Star Show featuring Super Slot 75. Uh, technical difficulties, as always, but, you know, we still keep, keep pushing. All right. Watchmen Episode 3. Uh, Lori Black calls Dr. Manhattan and tells him a joke. The joke goes, there's a guy who's a bricklayer, and he's good because he's a master of his craft, and every brick has its place. The dad has a daughter that he wants to teach his craft to because it's all about legacy. Dad builds a barbecue pit to the exact specifications and mathematical equations. But there's a brick left and the dad flips out and begins to destroy the pit. Daughter says, stop, I have an idea. 
and throws the brick in the air. Now, and before she can finish the joke, Lori messes up. She forgets the rest of the joke. Okay. Now we cut into uh, a, a setup. So Lori, same Lori here, goes to rob a bank. Right. She pulls out the firearm. She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So here comes this vigilante guy. He's called the Revenger. Right. He comes in to stop the bank robbery. But it's a setup. Everyone's in the bank is a federal agent because it's an um, it's against the law to become a vigilante. Now, mind you, once again, this is 30 years after the Watchmen movie. OK, so <laughs> so once uh, everyone reveals themselves to be federal agents, the Revenger tries to run out of the bank. Laurie shoots him in the back three times. He's hospitalized, taken to the hospital and arrested. Meanwhile, people outside are protesting. They're upset. And because he was doing what he thought was a good thing. Now, uh, Laurie goes home. Now, in midway through this episode, it, it, it will be revealed who she is. I already knew who she was, but it, okay. So she whips out a glove and she feeds. She takes a, a, a mouse to feed her pet, her pet owl. Okay, but you didn't know that until later on in the episode. So she feeds her pet owl with the one glove. All right, that's key too. All right. So then Senator Kane comes to visit Lori. Senator, Senator Kane looks at what what uh, the cage is like. Well, you know, can I look at it? She's like, yeah. And it's an owl, a legit owl. And he says, uh, what's his name? And she says, who? He says, no, what's his name? And she says, who? Now. For those that watched the first, the the the, uh, the movie The Watchmen, the tagline was "Who watches The Watchmen?" Okay, that's a reference to the movie. All right. So then, Senator Kane wants to send Laurie to Tulsa to investigate Chief Judd's murder. All right. So she goes down there, but she's like, well, "What do I get out of it?" So Senator Kane's like, "Look, I, I get, go down there, crack this case." I, I'm trying to bid up. I'm trying to bid for president. Okay. He says, you know, once I, you know, presidents can pardon anybody, including I can free your owl too. Now, for those that didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, 30 years moving forward, night owl, he's in prison for vigilantism. Okay. Night owl, remember him and Silk Spectre had a relationship. Okay. After Dr. Manhattan had went to Mars and left. Lori, right? But you have to watch the movie to see what the fuck I'm talking about. Because a lot of people are like, what is he talking about? Watch the movie and this will make sense. Okay. So he gave her, he gave her and made a deal with her. I'll if I get the president presidency, I'll, I'll free him. You can be with your guy. Just go to go bust this case for me. Okay, so she goes down, she goes to Tulsa. Uh they're in a meeting. Uh the DOPA. The, the DOPA is called the Defense of Police Act. It's cops and masks. That's the, uh, the, 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 the bill that they presented that had the cops and masks. Crime was, was reduced 80% in Tulsa. Uh, and then, okay, so then the second joke. Second joke. Uh, God tells our guy, yo, I gave you a gift. You know, what, what did you do with your gift? I gave you a gift to make fantastic weapons and inventions, okay? So the owl says, well, I made a flying ship and weapons and cool suits so I can bring peace to the city. The god asks, well, how many people did you kill? <laughs> this is crazy. 
our guy gets offended and says, well, I didn't take a life. Uh, God says, well, sorry, our guy, your heart's in the right place, but you're just too soft. God snaps his fingers, sends our guy to hell. That's in reference to Night Owl being sent to prison. Okay. Now, Lori goes into a briefing uh, with the with the federal agents. Uh, they're discussing the Seventh Cavalry. The Seventh Cavalry began in response to the Racial Victims Act. So that is basically uh, any attacks on Black people in Tulsa getting their red for rations. It's illegal. They they established this act. They're playing a lot on the heavy, heavy, heavy racial tones in this series. <laughs> if you're a regular black person, you are going to be like in your feelings watching this series. Maybe it's not best you watch this series. <laughs> okay. So then uh, during the slide presentation, a uh, an excerpt from Rorschach's diary is displayed. Uh, they make a reference to a white knight and the DOPA act is mentioned as well. Blake is running point and asks to take Petey uh, with her to Tulsa. So it's just two of them. Okay. Petey is a, a young uh, agent. He has a PhD in history. So he knows all about the Watchmen, uh, all the police and uh, riots and all that good stuff. So he's a, he's a student of history. All right. As they're flying into Tulsa, they see the millennial clock. And at the, at the, at the groundbreaking of the, uh, the millennial clock, Lady True, she had said, look on my works, ye mighty and despair. All right. Lady True is the one, the woman who bought Adrian Veet's company. Okay. Adrian Veet is Ozymandias, the smartest man on the planet. Okay. We'll get to him in a minute. All right. So then Petey asks, well, did you know Ozymandias well? Petey had wrote a thesis on the 1977 police strike in which Blake uh, was Silver Spectre. Okay. And her, her ex was Dr. Manhattan, so forth and so forth. All right. The next joke. It gives a lot of cutscenes. Uh, refers to Ozymandias. God asks, "What did you do with that big brain of yours?" Uh, it's the smarty pants. He he says, "Oh crap." Um, what what do you, what do you want? What do you want to do? Still bad. La la la. Sound nice. Something how I sound still sound bad. They're really messing with her. Mm. What you want to do, bro? Yeah, I'm still here. Still sounds bad. Okay, I haven't done anything so. Okay, um, I'll keep rolling if you want. Okay, cool. All right, so the next joke. Uh, God had asked, what did you do with that big brain of, of yours that I gave you? Uh, the smart guy says, I saved humanity. God asks, well, how'd you do that? The, the, the smarty guy, he says, I dropped a giant alien squid on New York, and everybody was so afraid of it, they stopped being afraid of each other. That's in reference to the first episode uh, when the squid fall from the sky every so often. That's Ozymandias. He did that. 
once again, you would have to watch the, you have to read the comics to get that part of it because that was not in the movie. Okay. So then God asks, well, how many people did you kill? The guy says, uh, three million, give or take. God says, well, God, Christ, you're a fucking monster. And the smart guy says, well, no, no, I'm not. So then God snaps his fingers and sends the smart guy to hell. Okay. Now, hell for Ozymandias is purgatory. And I'll break that down why he's in purgatory. Well, at least my theory that he's in purgatory. All right. So then getting back to Blake. Blake Check goes to a warehouse where they are housing 7th Cavalry suspects in his interrogation site. Okay. So then she's looking for a looking glass. She talks to looking glass. Blake gets to run down on the pod's operation. She calls it a racist detector. So what happens is certain images are displayed uh, in front of the suspect. And Looking Glass looks for visual cues for responses to certain uh, stigma or stimuli to indicate either a negative or positive response to said images. Okay. So then, uh, all right. Okay, so get back to the, another joke, just that quick, because I mean this episode moves kind of quick. God asks Blue God. This is a refer- reference to Doctor Manhattan. He says, "What have you done with these gifts?" Uh, Blue God says, "I." Uh, she says, "Fell in love with a woman, walked across the sun, fell in love with another woman, <laughs> uh, stopped the Vietnam War, and stopped giving a shit about humanity." That is how Blake sees Doctor Manhattan. Okay, so then. God sighs and asks, well, how many people did you kill? Uh, Blue God says, live body, dead body have the same number of particles. So it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how I answer because you're sending me to hell anyway. Well, God asks in response, well, how do you know? He says, Blue God responds, because I'm already there. Then God snaps his fingers and sends the Blue God to hell. Now we're at the funeral for uh <laughs> we're at the funeral for, for Chief Judd. All right. So then Petey and Blake are there. They had to give up their guns. Uh Judd Judd is carried at the waist. He did not die in good standing in this for this character. Uh Blake finds Angela, which is you know, uh sister knight. Okay. Uh Blake asks Angela, can you tell the difference between a masked cop and a vigilante? Angela says no. Blake says, me neither. Angela gives her the eulogy. She sings a song called The Last Roundup. They start clapping. Blake leaves the clap for the song. Then a 7th Cavalry member busts in with the bomb strapped himself. All right, crashes the funeral and declares uh, Senator Kane a race traitor and tells him to give himself up to be a hostage. So as Senator Kane decides to give himself up to, to be a hostage to save everybody, Blake pulls out a gun, shoots a suspect in the head. Now, he, the man just said it's a bomb strapped to his heart, his, his chest. So once the heartbeat stops, the bomb explodes. So then when they hear the ticking, the, the, the heartbeat pulse starting to slow down, Angela grabs the body, throws it in the, in the, in the grave site, and then pushes the casket on top of the, of, the, of, the, of the bomb victim, right? Everyone's trying to run in, they're running for cover. The bomb explodes, blows the casket to shit. All right. So then Angela and Blake are just exchanging glances. All right. So we cut to Ozymandias. Most important part in this whole particular, well, second most important part. Cut to Ozymandias. He is listening to a reggae song. There's a blueprint strewn about and he's making uh, makeshift devices. He's clearly making a spacesuit. 
is clear to this day he's making a spacesuit. Okay, so then he tests his uh, he uses one of his clone workers because they're clones. Okay, of uh, the people that serve him, they keep calling him master, they're clones. That, that, that is what they are. All right, uh, he tests, he sends one up in the, in the, in the, in the space to test his, his makeshift suit, comes back frozen. Okay, to see how high he can go. So obviously, uh, Dr. Manhattan has placed Ozymandias in a form of purgatory. Now, we don't know if the purgatory is located on Mars or located on Earth. Either way, Ozymandias has figured out he needs to ba- basically break through the dome to for freedom. All right. So then on his way back to the house, Ozymandias shoots a buffalo with a bow and arrow. He goes to skin it. Uh, gunfire rings out. The game warden shoots a shot at his foot. At his foot, uh, Ozymandias stops and then retreats. Um, okay, so then Ozymandias gets a letter from the game warden. The game warden. It says, "We agreed upon terms of your captivity." So I let you know he's he's a, he's a prisoner. Uh, it says your next uh, your recent behaviors indicate intentions to violate those terms. If this behavior continues. You will face grave consequences, and consequences is underlined. Okay, the next shot I fire will not be at your feet. Signed, the game warden. Thank you for the delicious tomatoes. Ozymandias uh, has his or has the maid type a letter in response, uh, saying that to uh, the game warden, his intent was purely recreational, and agreed to the terms and conditions as he prepares to go hunting at midnight. Ozymandias puts on his uniform. And when he put on his uniform, did you notice the uh, the the, all, the eye and the triangle on his chest plate? Okay, clear, clear signs here. All right, moving on to the press conference after the funeral attempt. Okay, uh, pre- a press conference. Senator Kane gives uh, credit to the law enforcement. The reporter asks, "What about the Russians building an intrinsic field generator?" Okay, so. Of course, for all the people had, that, that missed all that, the intrinsic field generator is the device that created Dr. Manhattan in the movie. Okay, so now the Russians have built one and they're trying to create their own version of Dr. Manhattan. That's what that reference is. Okay, so then. Okay, so then Senator Kane responds, uh, Russians are not his problem. The 7th Cavalry is. All right. So then Blake meets Angela at a crime scene at the mausoleum later on that night. uh, Blake questions why they buried Judge so fast. She tells Angela they were going to exhume the body the next day anyway. Uh, Blake says she saw wheelchair tracks at uh, at the tree to where Judge was was hung on. And she says she found his secret compartment. Blake asks Angela. Oh, we got a caller already. Whoa. Caller, what's happening? Oh, yeah. What's up? What's up? This is Jake Brown. My man. I was just put up something in the, in the comments or whatever. You was in the middle of cooking. I didn't want to stop you and shit. But, bruh, the shit you've been doing with these films, I done watched them all. Oh, this shit is fucking bananas, man. These to you. Cindy Ashby on the Wake Up Family, man. How much you doing? These movies is crazy. That's what's, I appreciate that. That's what's up. What's on your mind tonight? Nah, what was on my mind 
mind, I just came up in here chilling with the children. But then you was cooking. I'm like, I'm not going to cut you off while you were in the middle of cooking. But every movie you done said, I done watched them shits again. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. This shit is fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing about it. I'm like, man, listen, you ain't wrong about nothing. You spend it and keep keep doing the good work. Once I get some bread, I'm gonna break the bread with you, fam. My man, I appreciate that, my man, all day. That's my man Teku Teku Brown in the house. All right, awesome, awesome. Oh, okay, back to cooking. So where did I leave? Oh, is there a museum? Okay. So this is where you learn uh, Lori Blake's who her who her real identity is. Okay, so once again, but I have the the kind of the, the foresight of knowing because I I watched the movie and I read the comics as well. So, but the newbies that don't understand, that's following me. Okay, here we go. So then, uh, Blake says she tells Angela she found his secret compartment. Blake asks Angela what was in it. Angela denies. She plays dumb. Blake says. Uh, the wife said you were the only person in the bedroom since he died and says she's not the fainting type. All right. So she knows Angela's full of shit. And she also knows she's sister Knight as well. OK. And she said there was a bust, but there's something missing. Uh, outfit could have been anything. She was just guessing. But there's a bust, you know, where the where the clan outfit was hanging on. OK. That's the only thing that was left was the, was the bust. She says uh, she says men with secret. Com- yes, sir. Yeah, I can hear you. Are you serious right now? Uh, Ra, hello? Hello? Fuck. Okay, I'm going to call you back. I apologize for all the, the technical difficulties, people. Somebody's been on my ass last week. So hold on. Ra, I'm going to call you back. Okay, I'm going to call Rob back. We'll try it again. I'm sorry, YouTube, y'all. I'm sorry, YouTube world. (laughs) (laughs) Calling. Calling. Here we go. Yes, sir. Are we good? Okay, okay. Yeah, go ahead and cue me in. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. Sorry, y'all. It's just it's been one of those days. One of those days. All right. So, um, so Blake tells Angela, yes, uh, men with secret compartments who end up hanging from trees see themselves as the good guys, and those who protect them see them as good too. She then tells Angela. Uh, calls her sister night uh she says she says i eat good guys for breakfast now when um in the movie when the comedian was killed by ozymandias he was thrown out the window they found a secret compartment in his closet and that's how they knew he was one of the uh the one of the watchmen okay so when she tells angela yeah my daddy had a secret compartment too 
that lets you know that she is the daughter of the comedian. Silver Spectre is. Okay, that's where the glove comes in. Because if you remember in the movie, she wore gloves. All right. So I hopefully I piece it all together for everybody that, that's kind of clueless at this point. All right. So then the final joke of this episode. A woman is waiting. God says, where are you hiding? Woman says, I was standing behind all the other guys. God asks, well, did I give you a talent? The woman says, no. God says, well, I don't know who you are. Woman says, I am the little girl who threw the brick in the air. Pause. Okay, remember from the first joke in the beginning of the episode. So then, <laughs> so then Petey goes to Blake's room. They have sex. And then God's back to the joke. God sees the brick before it hits him in the head. God is dead. And where does God go when he's dead? He too goes to hell. So as Blake tells Manhattan on the phone, because he's leaving a, vo a voicemail, she tells Manhattan, you never had a sense of humor and you've never given, you're not going to hear this anyway. She says, the assholes down here still think you give a shit, even though you've been long, you've been living on another planet for 30 years and we're not going, and we're not worth giving a shit anyway. She hangs up the phone and says the voicemail message will reach Mars in 40 seconds. Okay. As Blake walks away from the phone booth, her car falls from the sky. Blake looks up at Mars and starts laughing. Dr. Manhattan is coming. Dr. Manhattan has a sense of humor. Did y'all catch all that? Did it go everybody's heads? <laughs> this was a deep, deep episode. Highly Masonic. All my Masons in the house. Y'all understood what I, what I just told y'all. All right. <laughs> this is why this is my favorite show. Listen, I don't even I don't care to ever see uh, Regina King on another episode moving forward. I don't even care if I don't see her. OK, that's how much I like the other characters and the way this show is going. But, you know, we, we digress. We keep pushing. So now. Let's move on to our, our next or our first actual movie breakdown for the night. It is a doozy. Haitians, this one's for y'all. Sock passe. Haitian people stand up. This is for y'all. The Serpent and the Rainbow, 1992. Yes. Inspired by a true story. All right. So in the beginning, it says, in Legends of Voodoo, the serpent is a symbol of the earth. The rainbow is a symbol of heaven. Between these two, all creatures must live and die. But because he has a soul, man can be trapped in a terrible place where death is only the beginning. So let's get into this movie. All right. Um, go circa at Haiti, 1978. A coffin is being fashioned and taken by gangsters uh, to a funeral for a funeral procession. Uh, the coffin is set on fire and walked through the streets. A doctor ex examines a dead man, and I'm using quotes when I say dead. His body is being buried, but the man isn't dead as he sheds a tear while being buried. Okay? Fast forward eight years later. We're at the Amazon base in 1985. Dr. Dennis Allen visits a shaman, Ohangu. The shaman gives him a potion to drink and passes out and wakes up being chased by a leopard. 
No, I'm sorry, a Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. A Jaguar. And now you know Jaguars are, are um, native to the Americas. Okay, so pe- when people see like the black Jaguar, it's really a leopard with spots. It's a black leopard. But anyway, Jaguars, uh, Incas, Mayans, Aztecs, uh, the movie Apocalypto, uh, the, the main character's name was ja- Jaguar Paul. Okay, so Jaguars are very sacred, very powerful animals. Matter of fact, Jaguars are the smallest of the big cats, but also the, the regarded as the most fiercest of all the cats as far as their temperament, even though they're, they're the smallest cats of the, of the ball. Okay, moving forward, let's go. So then <laughs> he passes out, wakes up being chased by a Jaguar. He's hallucinating at this point that he's play wrestling with this, with this Jaguar. And then the shaman is watching him. So then next, a rumbling appears, and then a shaman transformed into one of the uh, Bokar, which is a black magician priest from the Haitian funeral that you saw in 1978. This character is played by Zakes Mokabe uh, Ohez. Y'all remember this dude? He's the, always playing an evil African dude. His name is Zakes Mokabe or Mok- Mokiba. Got the big forehead, got the crazy accent. He plays villains, like the spiritual villains, very, very well. He's the, he's the best at it. Okay, okay. So then he begins to be dragged on the ground. He falls into a black hole, then wakes up again and is looking for his pilot who is dead and his helicopter is covered in holy talismans. Okay. So then Dennis begins to hike through the Amazon and begins to follow the same Jaguar from before and discovers a road. He walked 200 miles through the Amazon in this movie, of course. That's why he, at, at, when he finds the road to the, the, the another village, uh, he, goes, go, he goes back to New York. He gets a call from a friend that works for Big Pharma. Big Pharma, Dr. Cassidy, okay? He asks, what do you know about zombification? He's given a death certificate of Christoph Durand. Christoph Durand is the guy we saw buried in Haiti, 1978, being buried alive, Okay. It says, despite he displayed negative pulse, no heartbeat, no respiration, no brainwave, no pain, no pupil dilations. He was buried. That certificate was from 1978. Dennis has then shown a recent photo of Christoph Duran seven years later. Dennis thinks it's, uh, it's an error. Dr. Cassidy says, I want you to find out how they did it. Okay. Dennis thinks it's a drug. Dr. Cassidy says, I want the zombie drug to save lives from anesthesia shock. They discuss the location of the soul. Dr. Danny Dennis believes the soul, the, the, the soul begins in the brain. So he doesn't believe in spirituality like that. All right. So then Dennis meets Dr. Dujon. They go, he goes to Haiti, meets Dr. Dujon, meets a woman who was buried 15 years prior, buried alive, named Marguerite. Dennis goes to see Christoph Duran. They're looking for Christoph. Dennis meets Lucien Celine, played by Paul Winfield. Paul Winfield, if you don't remember who Paul Winfield is, uh, he was in the Terminator. He's one of the, he's one of the lieutenants in the, in the Terminator. Paul Winfield, uh, old school actor. He's been in every fucking movie. All right. Um, they're at a at a gathering, right? Uh, Lucien is like one of the head spiritualists in Haiti. So his priests are seen eating glass and chewing lit cigars. They don't burn. They don't bleed. 
they're calling down uh, or Ur Zuni, the goddess of love. Lucian wants Dujon to dance, but she refused to, she refuses to dance. She walks away. Then someone sprays her in the face with a powder and then, and then enters the, uh, the Bakar, the same guy from his vision and in the Amazon. Okay. So then, and then Dujon begins to dance. Dennis recognizes the Bakar. He's called, his name is Captain Fadod, a black magician. He works for Papa Doc Duvalier's secret police, the Totomaku. Lucian tells Dennis their secret, their secrets, even Haitians keep to themselves. All right. Dujon is dancing under possession. Lucian tells Dennis possession is as natural as breathing. And a dancer becomes out of control. Lucian knocks him out. Okay, so they're moving forward. Dujon and Dennis go to Christoph's village. Then they go to a grave site. Oh, I'm sorry, a graveyard. Dennis falls into a coffin because he's scared by grave robbers. Dennis believes Dujon is misleading him. And then he meets Christoph. He shows up. Christoph remembers Dujon. Okay. Dennis asks Christoph to remember what happened before he died. Christoph says he remembered everything. Says the Bacar beat him with a weapon and took his soul. Christoph says he makes him do evil things and that he is not free. He asks the Bacar, make, he makes him go into people's dreams. Dennis wants to do a blood test and wants a thumbprint. Christoph says it's a powder that goes from the skin to the soul. Christoph then walks off. The next day, Dennis returns to discover his room. There's a dead pig on a cross and sigils and blood on the walls. He runs out, he escapes, and he returns to Lucian for help. Lucian tries to warn Dennis and Dujon. Lucian knows who makes the powder. They go to a man named Louis and settle on a, a, uh, on a price for $500 to make the powder. They test it on a goat, on a baby goat. So before they leave, uh, Dennis cuts the, the bottom of the goat's, the goat's hoof to make sure it's the same goat when they come back the next day because he wants proof to raise the dead. He wants to know this guy, the, this, the goat has been zombified the next day. Okay. So Dennis takes a sample from the goat. They stay in the village for safety. Dujon tells her backstory that she was given to possession at the age of eight. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Dujon then takes uh, Dennis to mass. She says Haiti is 85% Catholic, but 110% voodoo. For them, El, El Zuli and the Virgin Mary are one and the same, and they follow a funeral procession up into the mountains. Dennis begins to have visions of a, as a python begins to crawl over him. <laughs> he awakens and is being spoken to by Christoph. And the white bride, the sorceress, walks over to Dennis and unleashes a giant snake on Dennis. Dennis then wakes up again. And the black magician has sent Kristoff into Dennis' dreams. So the Bakar, a.k.a. the black magician, knows what Dennis is up to. So he's sending Kristoff to psychically attack him or in, in his spirit, own spiritual realm. Okay. The white bride, the sorceress, she plays a part in this as well. Okay. Now. Dujon takes Dennis to a bathing lake to become cleansed. They have sex in the cave. The next day, the Totomaku have locked down the city. Dennis is summoned by the black magician. He tells Dennis that Dujon and Christoph are radicals. Uh, 
Dennis denies involvement. The black magician tells Dennis the U.S. wants anarchy and this isn't Grenada. Now, if you remember what 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 U.S. did to the Grenada in the early 80s, then you know what I'm talking about. All right. Dennis and Dujon go back to the man with the powder, Lewis, and proves his powders are fake. He drinks a whole uh, he puts a bunch of powder in the drink, drinks it, sleight of hand. He stole the actual powder, but it's a fake. Because, you know, of course, Lewis is like, well, who do you asking for powder? So Lewis is testing him to make sure that he's he's legit. All right, all right, all right. So then the powder man, Lewis, tells him he'll make the real powder for $1,000, but Dennis must make it with him. They have to dig up a body. The body they dig up is the White Bride, a.k.a. the Sorceress. All right? The same body that attacked him in his dream with the snake. Dennis and Dujon are attacked by uh, Dujon's... Oh, they're, okay. They're attacked at, at Dujon's office, all right, by the Totomaku. The black magician begins to torture Dennis. The black magician tells him he warned him, tells him he doesn't want money, and that he wants, he wants to hear him scream and drives a spike into his scrotum and dumps him in front of Dujon's office. Three days later, Dennis and Dujon are back at the site to create the powder. The ingredients are a sea toad puffer fish. Now, you know, puffer fish secrete the tetrodotoxin. Uh, they need herbs, minerals, and human bone. The powder cannot be given in food. It would kill the host completely. The flesh would never rise to serve you. Dennis had to crack open the skull for a specific piece of the bone. The powder has to be buried for a day. Dennis tells the powder man that he wants to use the powder to help people. Because the powder man is like, you want someone must have really pissed you off. What are you using this for? You want you want to kill somebody? You want revenge, anger, whatever? He's like, not just want to help people. All right. Dennis awakens to see a body burning on a crucifix, and the sorceress summons Dennis. Dennis then sees himself in a coffin being buried alive with blood. Dennis then awakens again and has Kristoff's dead sister in the bed next to him decapitated. Then the Totomaku busts in and arrests him for murder. All right. The Bakar or the black magician wants Dennis to leave Haiti and tells him that he was in his dream and that he can be in his dreams every night. The Totomaku forced Dennis on a plane at gunpoint. Lewis, the powder man, sneaks on the plane because he works for the airport. He gives Dennis the powder and says, look, man, just tell them, tell the people that, you know, I want to be famous. Tell the people about me that I helped you. All right. Uh, back in New York, Dennis and Dr. Cassidy break down the powder and discover it affects the sensory functions of the brain and the powder wears off after 12 hours. Dennis hasn't heard from Dr. Dujon in three days and wants to go back to Haiti to find her. Dennis is having visions of the sorceress. Dr. Cassidy's wife begins to eat glass at a dinner and attacks Dennis. Under possession, uh, you hear the black magician's voice saying, Dennis, you're going to die. Okay. Dennis is immediately apprehended. He goes back to, he goes back to Haiti. As soon as he lands, he's, uh, he's apprehended by Lucian uh, for safety upon returning to Haiti. But Louis uh, was captured by the Totomaku, and uh, he was beheaded. 
So the black magician ch chops off the head of the powder man. Lucian gives Dennis a protection spell. Uh, as Lewis is beheaded, the black magician drinks his blood. Lucian tells Dennis death is not the end, then begins to cough up black blood before he dies and a scorpion crawls out of his mouth and is then sprayed in the face with the powder. <laughs> God damn. Okay. Before succumbing to the powder, he tells them not to bury him. He then sees uh, the doctor. Okay. So, and he's in the coffin. He's paralyzed. Here comes the, the, the Bacar, the black magician. He says he's made all the arrangements because he's, he's on the, he's on the table. Um, there's a, um, a doctor, you know, declaring him dead. So they, they're like, hey, call the embassy to get the arrangements. Here comes the black magician. I took care of that, all that for you. I'll, I'll handle it for you. So then he tells Dennis in the coffin, you'll feel the cold and it's much worse with the coffin. He then shows him the jar in which he houses Lucian's soul. The black magician has a wall of jars of people's souls he owns and collects and makes them do their bidding. Okay. He then tells Dennis Dujon will be beheaded later on that night and places a tarantula in the coffin with Dennis to keep him company. The powder wears off. 12 hours later, Kristoff goes to the site to help unbury him. He digs him up. At this point, Haiti is celebrating the ousting of Papa Doc. So the city is lit right now. Right before Dujon is beheaded, the people have risen against the Totomaku. They storm the police station. Their residents storm the station. Uh, the, uh, the black magician begins to control Dennis. He can talk, talk to him in, in, in his thoughts. Dennis is hallucinating and is attacked by the body of Lucian. Lucian then rips his own head off and throws it at Dennis. Dennis falls down some steps. The black magician attacks Dennis. Dujon breaks open Lucian's soul jar. And the soul of Lucian begins to attack the black magician. Dennis's spirit animal emerges. It is the jaguar. Okay. Dennis and Dujon destroy all the soul jars. And then all the souls start attacking uh, the black magician. This is just like in A Nightmare of Elm Street when they free all the souls of the children that Freddy had collected and the souls go to attack Freddy. Same premise here. Okay. Um, so then, uh, the black magician then bursts, he bur explodes into flames. Uh, but right before Dennis destroys the black man, uh, the, the black magician's torture, the torture chair, uh, the black magician attacks Dennis one, one last time. They start to fight and Dennis beats the, uh, the black magician. The torture chair then comes for the black magician and he's impaled with his own spike in the scrotum. The chair drags him to hell. Dujon and Dennis walk out of the station as the people celebrate the zombie powder. Uh, oh, as the people celebrate uh, the ousting of Papa Doc. He, he, and I believe he went to Port-au-Prince and it's all over the news. So the people are happy. Uh, the zombie powder and its active ingredient, Tetra the doc, the toxin, is, uh, in the movie says it's currently under investigation, intensive scientific study in both Europe and the U.S., uh, to this date, the process by which it works remains a mystery. The powder is also called coupe poudre. All right. So now there's some historical, well, not historical facts, but there's some facts that go along with 
this story because uh, the doctor actually went he went down there to find this stuff. Let me. OK, here we go. Here we go. It goes. OK, 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 OK. Of course, we all know, you know, who is we're doing or who do or who doing. Um, let me find it. Let me find it. Okay, so voodoo priests, known as the Bakor, create a white powdery com- compound called Coupe Poudre. Uh, the ingredients in this powder allegedly can turn a person into a zombie. The actual doctor, he was an ethnobotanist. Wade Davis traveled to Haiti to investigate the zombies and the zombie powder. Although different Bokar use different ingredients in their powders, Davis found that there are five constant animal ingredients, burned and ground up human remains, a small tree frog, a segmented worm, a large toad, and one or more species of pufferfish. The most potent ingredients uh, of the pufferfish contain the nerve toxins, tetrodotoxin. Okay. Uh, several animals contain tetrodotoxin in their tissue. The liver, eyes, and ovaries of the pufferfish have especially high amounts of this lethal nerve toxin. Though regarded as delicacy in Japan, the fish and some of its organs are banned as food items in many places because of the dangers. In small amounts, tetrodotoxin causes numbness, tingling, and a not unpleasant sensation of floating, even euphoria. Okay, high levels of this toxin can cause death within minutes due to respiratory failure. But at sublethal doses, the toxin can leave a victim in a state of suspended animation. Breathing is subdued and barely perceptible by observers. The heart rate is near zero but the person remains conscious and aware, though unable to speak. According to Davis and other observers, a person who is exposed to a certain amount of zombie powder containing tetrodotoxin can slip into a vegetative state resembling death. Shortly after the person is buried, their body is exhumed by a bakor. Though the exhumed zombie usually suffers from epoxia, which is oxygen deprivation, uh, the Bacar wields control over the person by continually administering a second drug, a psychoactive compound derived from the Jimson weed. This second drug causes delirium and disorientation, rendering the person incapable of normal functioning. In one case, a woman who was presumed dead and was buried in her family tomb reappeared three years later. She was positively identified by several family members and townspeople. After a local court authorized the opening of her tomb, which was full of stones, her parents were undecided whether to take her home, and she was admitted to the psychiatric hospital in Port-au-Prince. Because death certificates and other official niceties are rare in rural Haiti, and because burial generally occurs within a day of death, it is not implausible for a retrieved person to be alive. Um, In 1962, a man named Clairvius... Narcisse was admitted to Albert Schweitzer Hospital in Port-au-Prince with severe respiratory problems. After slipping into a coma, Narcisse was later declared dead by two hospital doctors and was buried shortly. 18 years later, in 1980, a man shuffled up to Angelina Narcisse in the village marketplace and identified himself as her brother. He related a story of being buried alive dug up and enslaved on a distant sugar plantation. Doctors who who examined Narcisse and dozens of villagers and family members positively identified him as the man who was buried in 1962. Article 249 of the Haitian Penal Code states, it shall be qualified as attempted murder. The employment which may be made against any person using substances which cause 
a actual death produce a lethargic coma more or less prolonged if the person has been buried the act shall be considered murder no matter what result follows that is a true goddamn story that is the serpent and the rainbow 1992 matter of fact let me read off some uh i got some cash apps let me see let me see let me see give me one moment mm-mm Jervis, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Jervis. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, so, yeah. Before I get into this last movie breakdown, let's take a quick break because um, I'm thirsty as hell. And because uh, <laughs> I'm thirsty. All right. So I see I'm about two and two. We, we, we still, we still borging out. We good. Hello. Oh shit. Now you're breaking up. Um, yeah, bro. You're, you're in and you're in and out. It is. They don't want it to happen tonight. Oh, the call just dropped. Wow. Cindy, you, you, they are really messing with the uh, with, with the with the thing tonight. I'm just letting you know, it's bad. And the call just dropped again. Cindy, fix it. Do your fucking job. Okay, Sin, I, I can't get through the raw. Like, for real, for real. They won't even let me get through. So, let's try Wi-Fi. Yeah, Sin, I, I can't get through. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to call him back. Like, it's not even letting a call go through at all. Yo, Jervis Horton, thank you for the cash app, bro. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Sin, what you want to do? Woman, I know you see me in the goddamn chat. Matter of fact, let's do this, y'all. Let's call Cindy. Let's do that. Let's call Boss. Let's harass her. Let's give her, her all types of hell. See what the fuck she want to do. Hey. What we doing, Boss? I, I was just trying to find him. Trying to figure out what's going on. So, uh, 
Well, sorry. Good. That means they change all killers at the same time. Oh, my, you know, you're on speaker, right? I'm into crimes and shit. <laughs> huh? So, uh, he's about to type in, he's typing, he's typing. He said nothing is showing up. He's waiting. That's weird. He says phone not even ringing. Right. And, and, yeah, not when I try and call him, it doesn't, yeah, I ain't doing shit when I call. Yeah, he's coming to see your number. All right, so uh, what you want to do? Um, damn. You don't have a uh, fucking, what's that number? You don't have one of those numbers again, right? I got a Google number. You have phone numbers? Yeah, you want to do that? Like, send it to me, and then we'll do that, and I'll just tell him that, and I'll just rip this one down and put it up. Uh, yeah. You want to do that? Yeah, that's fine. All right. You, wait, wait. You got it, right? You you got the Google number? I don't have it. What the fuck? So, you want me to give it to you to give it to him? No, no, you give give it to me, and then I post it so people can call the phone. Oh, my lord. Oh, you want the 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 fuckery. Yeah, you want fuckery. All, all right, hold on. What, you, what are you talking about? You know, you, we'll try to call, okay, one, one more time. Try to call him. No, 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 no. You want fuckery? We're going to get the fuckery. We're going to get no, it. No, no, no. No. Nope. I said Google number. I'm giving you, I'm about to give you the Google number right now. But not the Google number you gave before, and it was wrong. No, I this is the ass. This is the fucking right one. <laughs> Retard. What the fuck ever? It's the right one. I can't stand you. Shut day. up. It's the right fucking number. I just gave it to you. Oh, wait. I mean, you sure? Yeah. All right. I'm going to test it. You, you want me to wait till you... You want me to wait? No, no. Just keep talking. Keep oh. talking. I'm going to just get off. All right. I'm going to test it. All right. Yeah, yeah. That was boss. That was boss. All right. So let's let's get into this. I'm excited for this for this movie breakdown. In honor of my channel being demonetized, I only feel it right that we talk about the movie that pretty much set it off for that certain agenda that's afflicting us all. Don't you agree? This is the movie that uh, they praised Forrest Whitaker. They praised him in this movie. Okay. This movie was lauded. I remember this movie as a teenager. I think I was 17, 18. This was the movie. Okay. This was the movie. Oh, he's calling. What the hell? What's up? Oh, shit. What's up? Yeah. What? What do you want? <laughs> I'm trying to make sure it works. I told you it worked. Okay, carry on. Keep cooking. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Truth tell I see truth tellers in the house. <laughs> Brother, I listen, man. I, I'm sorry for the last two Saturdays. It's, that's all me, man. That, that's all my fault. But we're gonna get it, we're gonna get it. The, the Beatles are gonna get back together again for Saturday. Um, yeah, this movie 1992. Let me see. 
1992. Do you want to know what movie we're going to talk about tonight? I'm going to tell you. It's called The Crying Game. I say, yeah, The Crying Game. This is the movie that began the whole um, The Black Man is the Face of Weird Stuff. This this was it. This was the movie that they loved Forrest Whitaker in. Now, let's, let's get into it, shall we? God damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. So let me let me get into this real quick. <laughs> it's gonna be a short show tonight, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this movie down all the way down. <laughs> all right. Opening scene is they're at a fair, and then they're playing of all songs when a man loves a woman. Oh, you gotta love the irony. You got to love Hollywood. Hollywood in their games. Okay, so Jody. Forrest Whitaker's character, Jody and Jude are at a fair. They're being followed. Jude and Jody begin to make out on the beach. Jody is apprehended by the Irish Republican Army. Now, for those that really know the IRA, it's not to be fucked with. Like They are for real, for real. But anywho, this is the movies. Uh, he's kidnapped, taken to a safe house. They took him in exchange for one of their uh, own brethren that's being held in captivity. Jude is revealed to be a member of the IRA. She set him up. Set him up. As Jude uh, removes his hood, Jody attacks Jude in a fit of rage for deceiving him. Jody is quickly restrained. Jody is, once again, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character. All right. The next day, Jody is taken to another building for interrogation. Uh, Jody asks Jude to remove his hood. He's still upset with her. He says to her, I thought you liked me. Jody's kidnapping makes the papers. Jody is a British soldier. Okay. All right. So then Fergus is one of the, the main kidnapper here in question uh, in, in this in this story. Fergus removes his hood and begins to have a dialogue. Fergus and Jody talk about the hostage negotiations. Fergus begins to go through Jody's wallet and discovers a pic of his girlfriend. Fergus asks Jody, then why was he about to cheat with Jude? Jody says he was set up. Fergus tells Jody his real name. Fergus takes Jody out to relieve himself. Fergus has to unzip uh, Jody's pants and pull it out for him to, for him to be able to use the bathroom because his hands are tied behind his back. And they later they later share a laugh uh, about it. Fergus is scolded by his superior named Peter for establishing a rapport and telling Jody his first name. Jody then tells Fergus the story about the frog and the scorpion. We know that story. I'm not going to get into it. If you don't know about it, I don't know what to tell you. Fergus then asks Jody the meaning. Jody says a scorpion does what a scorpion does. Jody asks Fergus to take off the hood. Fergus asks why. Jody says because it's in your nature. And Fergus removes the hood. Fergus and Jody continue bonding. Jude walks in and scolds Fergus, puts the hoodie back on Jody, and she pistol whips him for calling her mean. Jude leaves. Fergus partially removes his hood. Jody tells Fergus his girlfriend's name is Dill. Okay, rock with me on this one. Listen to me, y'all. All right. And, te 
and and makes Fergus promise if they kill him to find Dill and tell her that Jody was thinking about her. Fergus is told negotiations have broken down and that they'll have to kill Jody in the morning. Fergus asks Peter permission to guard him throughout the night. Fergus tells Jody the bad news. Jody begins to cry and asks for help. Fergus refuses and gives him a cigarette. Jody asks Fergus to tell him a story. Fergus makes a Bible reference to putting away childish things. Jody asks the meaning and determines that he has no one, he has no use. The next morning, Peter comes in and Fergus takes Jody to the kill spot. Fergus screams at Peter to leave him be. Jody asks Fergus to remove the hood. He doesn't want to die like an animal. Fergus complies. Jody escapes and begins to run. Jody tells Fergus not to do it. Fergus begins to run and is then run over by a British military armed vehicle. Fergus then runs off and the British storm the hideout and shoot down all the IRA members. Fergus gets a ship across the pond. Fergus changes his look and begins to look for Dill and finds her working in a salon and asks for a haircut. Dill asks who recommended him. Dill asks his nationality and a small talk. Dill and Fergus meet at a bar. Some guy walks up to Dill demanding a song and then a guy slaps her as they go to Dill's place. Fergus follows. While Fergus sleeps, he has a vision of Jody playing cricket. Fergus has a construction job and later goes to goes back to the pub just in time for Dill's performance of the crying game. Once again, Dill's abuser shows up and takes her outside. Fergus beats up the abuser. Fergus walks Dill home. The abuser follows them. Then Dill asks Fergus to kiss her to further upset the abuser. The next day, Fergus brings Dill flowers at the salon. Fergus takes Dill out to dinner. The abuser tries to run them over while walking her home. Dill invites Fergus inside, and there are pictures of Jody everywhere. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Fergus asks uh, about the pics of Jody. Dill says he was different. They begin to make out. And Fergus begins to slide his hand up her dress. And she stops him and says no. She says she wants to see how he kisses. She then begins to give him a blowjob. Afterwards, Fergus asks, what would he think dill says he wouldn't he's dead fergus asks shouldn't you be in mourning dill says she is and kisses fergus the next night they meet again at the bar fergus asks did you bring who he did he bring you here dill asks what's your obsession fergus says he wants to look after her back at dill's place <laughs> Fergus asks, why do you keep the why do you keep his things? Dill says she's superstitious. Fergus asks, does he tell you you're beautiful? Dill says all of the time, even now he looks after me. Dill changes and they begin to make out. 
then disrobes, and then Fergus discovers she's a man. She's a man. <laughs> no implants. <laughs> no, 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 no surgical enhancement. <laughs> Just a full fledged man. <laughs> so then Fergus is stunned. Dill asks, You did know. Dill reaches to touch Fergus's face and violently slaps him, slaps his hand away, and says he's going to be sick. Fergus runs to the bathroom to dry heave. Dill says she's sorry and asks, why were you in the bar? Then if you didn't know, Fergus leaves and has another vision of Jody. The next night, Fergus goes back to the bar looking for Dill. Dill talks to Fergus via the bartender, right? And tells Fergus to go fuck himself and to stop messing around. Later that night, Fergus leaves Dill a note. Dill shows up to Fergus's job site. The owner calls her a tart. Fergus says she's not a tart. Owner says she's a, she's a lady. Fergus says she's not that either. Dill brings some coffee and apologizes. Dill asks, uh, does he does he care about her? Dill says, uh, <laughs> Dill says, even though when he was throwing up, he knew he cared. Dill says she's tired of emotional abuse. Fergus asks, does does her co does her coworkers know that she, you know, did did they know? Dill says, um, yes. And Dill says, you know, you can pretend. Dill asks Fergus uh, inside. He rebuffs. He tells Dill, you should have stayed a girl. Fergus kisses Dill and leaves. Jude shows up at Fergus's apartment. Jude makes a pass at Fergus. Jude tells Fergus he was court-martialed and asks what really happened. Jude, the lady that set up Jody, she's not dead. She's back. Okay, she shows up at his apartment. Fergus then discovers Jude at Dill's salon and follows them to the restaurant. Uh, Fergus tells Dill to takes Dill to the bar, and then Jude Judy uh, Jude shows up, okay, to reveal that she knows Fergus. Later that night, Fergus is taken for a drive with Peter and Jude, and is given new orders to assassinate a new target. Jude and Fergus do reconnaissance. Jude tells Fergus he's a judge. Dill follows Fergus uh, in a fit of jealousy. Fergus refuses to tell Dill the nature of his dealings with Jude. Fergus walks Dill home and asks for her keys to the salon. Fergus wants to cut Dill's hair and wants her to look like a man. Fergus promises not to leave Dill. Fergus wants to make her into somebody new that no one will recognize. They go back to her place and begin to make out. Fergus says he loves her and then makes her put on Jody's clothes and go to a hotel. The next day, Jude shows up to Fergus's job site and hands him a pistol and tells her to forget about the girl. Fergus returns back to the hotel. Dill isn't there. Fergus then, Fergus then goes to Dill's apartment. Dill is drunk and wants Fergus to tell him the truth. Fergus tells Dill she has to forget about him. Dill tells Fergus he can't 
help what he is. They kiss. Fergus admits he knew Jody and that they kidnapped him and how he died. Next morning, Dill ties Fergus to the bed and takes his pistol and demands a confession from Fergus. Fergus tells Dill he has somewhere to be. Meanwhile, Jude and Peter go to assassinate the judge. Peter is killed in the process while the judge uh, while the uh, while Jude escapes. Dill makes Fergus confess his love and unties one of his hands. Jude shows up to Dill's place. Dill begins to shoot Jude in the shoulder, arm, leg, and then the neck. Dill asks Fergus, it was Jude that lured Jody to be kidnapped. Fergus says yes. Fergus sends Dill out of town and promises to see her again. Fergus looks at a pic of Jody and says, you should have stayed at home. Dill visits Fergus in prison. Dill says Fergus has 2,335 days left. That's roughly eight and a half years. Fergus tells Dill the story about the frog and a scorpion. And there's your movie. There's your movie. This movie was a really big deal in 1992. This was the beginning of making the, the, the of the melanated man the face of sexual perversion. But y'all don't hear me though. <laughs> yeah, that um, shit. There we go. Get off. That was uh tonight's movie breakdowns. I I just uh, yeah, yeah um. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. Is this is a it's it's just too many too just too much shit going on. Let me say this real quick. So for everyone that's been asking me about why Kale Cyrus, now listen, I don't mean to sound like a jerk. I really don't. Please don't take what I say uh to heart or offensive. Okay. What did he say? That you haven't already heard before. Why do y'all. And I don't mean all y'all. But why do some of y'all act like. When these people admit to what it is. Y'all act like it's the first time hearing it. Oh we got a caller. Oh shit. Caller was bragging. What's going on? Yeah this is Edward Bailey. To accept press 1. To send a voicemail press 2. Yes sir what's going on? Hey, uh, Slide, this is Edward again, man. Yes, sir. You know, it's been interesting that you uh, decided to do that uh, 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 that review on the crying game. Yeah. That reminds me of that co- comment I made in one of your videos about that uh, dysfunction. Yeah. You know, I put the, the crying game never ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's <laughs> another an- another movie uh, that I discussion about. Uh, that movie, uh, Broke That Mountain. I remember. Broke That Mountain? Yes. You know, about the two uh, yeah, cowboys. I remember that. The thing that was so funny about, about that movie is that those two dumb wives thought the uh, men were having an affair with the women, but they had to have an affair with each other. That right. Was just, the thing that was just so funny about the movie and shit. Yeah. These women think they're so smart about shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is right under their nose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, man, but... Uh, this stuff that they're thinking that is new is not so new, man. This goes back to ancient Greece and Rome and shit. 
Yeah, where uh, the men would meet their uh, male lovers at a at a gladiatorial game and shit. Right, right. What else? Oh, is man, on? it's just uh, getting like better and better, man. Yes, yes, sir, indeed. Yes, indeed. What else is on your mind tonight, sir? Yeah, man. The Watchmen is uh, pretty deep, man, because uh, I'm up there, up there, uh, looking at that uh, scene from uh, the second, the second episode, man. And it's like, man, Vader's still like uh, obsessed with the, uh, you know, Doctor Manhattan and shit. Yeah. Well, Doctor Manhattan up there talking about up there thinking about creating another planet, another universe and shit. He didn't ever worry about that dude. Yeah, that's true. Because like he uh, told him in that movie, he said, man, even though you're the smartest man on the planet, Vay, you're no more threat to me than the smartest termites. Gotcha. So, so, so what you're up there doing ain't really impressing me. Yeah. That is true. All right, OG. Well, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you up. I appreciate the call, though. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yo, that was that man, Edward Bailey. I appreciate that. Um, let me get back to my rant real quick. Um, the, the YSK thing. Listen, once again, what did the boy say? Yet, 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 ain't heard before. All right. Like I said, it. it um, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I appreciate. Like people ask me my opinion, honestly, I don't. Like, unless they're children that, that have been into a contract against their knowledge and will, that's when I care. But for the most part, if you're a grown individual and um, you still think this business is is flowers and candy, I I don't think anything about what they do. I, I don't. I I don't even care. But um, my point is. Uh, for those that don't know or understand, I would I would tell you all to research John Todd. John Todd was the original, uh, I would say, whistleblower of the music business. And the things they did to him, you know, they uh, they 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 set him up with charges of, of child molestation or something. He went to prison, got out of prison, and has not been seen since. Okay, so if you think they're gonna do and mind you, he was a high-ranking exec. He was one of their people. He was one of their people, people. So if they did that to him, well, what do you think they're going to do to some nigga that's, that's on Instagram complaining about his, his contract? So I need y'all to kind of like really like put on your, your big girl pants and big boy pants and just really like, like for real, like seriously, like y'all ain't figured this shit out yet. So um, same thing with Cupcake and Sukiyama. Listen, it is what the fuck it is. Uh, some people just have that that's that side of them that want to see things for themselves and I'm all for it because I'm the same way so and but y'all asking me to kind of psychologically break down these people why they do what they do I'm not their therapist I'm not in their head don't ask me why you think they did the shit obviously they have their reasonings for it all right so for those that like to ask me questions about people I really don't give a shit about to be honest with you I would tell you look up john todd and if you still have questions about it after that i don't know what else to tell you then maybe you should go back taking the blue pills or go back to putting your head in in, in the sand 
don't come out where you know with real shit. I you know, like I said, I don't I don't mean it's like an asshole, but you know, I don't give a fuck about no goddamn YK Osiris. Like, seriously. Next month, next or six months from now, it'll be somebody else saying the same thing. He'll, someone else will be crying on fucking Instagram, talking about their fucking contract and their mama and this and their daddy, whatever the fucking it's the same, it's the same. It's the same. Now, if you um, if you want to ask me what the difference is, the biggest difference is these kids, these young kids, are not mentally um, strong enough to handle uh, what they've seen or are or, or seeing. I will give the old heads credit. The old heads have more mental fortitude to deal with the, their decisions that they've made and the agreements that they've made than these young kids. These young kids ain't built for shit. Okay, these young kids to see, you know, flip out over, over 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 menial shit. That is the biggest difference between the young heads and the old heads. You never you never seen the old heads flipping out like that back in the day, because they understood what it was, and to this day, a lot of them still won't say what it what it is. These young kids, social media is like it's okay. I'm gonna tell everything, and I'm gonna say it. It's like ah, eh, you know, okay, whatever, you know. So that's that's um. That's my take on the shit. I'm, I'm like, just I'm. I don't give a fuck, you know. But yeah, John Todd. So if you want to ask me about YK Osiris, first thing I'm gonna tell you is John Todd. And if you still have, if you still understand that, then it's just not. This is not for you. So um, yeah, yeah. A, A Banks, Bob Crane from the, from the Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, they silenced him pretty quickly. Look, look, remember what happened with uh with Randy Quaid, the actor Randy Quaid. You know, they was messing with him in Canada. Like he fled, he fled the country. He went to Canada, and they were still still after him. So I don't know what else to, what else to tell y'all. Like if they do it to white people, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do to niggas. So um, that that's my little rant on the YK Osiris thing. Oh, also my final rant, the Eminem thing. So Eminem, uh, it was 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 DJ Kid John Pope first. And what, what do I mean by that? Y'all remember back in nine was it 2000, 2001, when Benzino waged a one-man war against Interscope Records? He put out that tape of Eminem talking bad about black women. Yeah, y'all remember that? And what black folk do? They bought more records. They made him a superstar. At one point, black people were calling Eminem the goat of rap. How the fuck does that happen? So you think I care about him wearing a fucking uh, a black mask 30 years ago? Y'all had y'all chance to cancel Eminem. Lord Jamar, sit your dumb ass down. We don't care about the, what he did. We had our chance 20 years ago to cancel Eminem. Benzino told everybody, if y'all don't, if y'all don't check him now, they're going to white, whitewash hip-hop. Motherfuckers laughed at Benzino. Everybody was so fucking scared of Interscope. Interscope had threatened to pull all their artists from, from the ads from Source Magazine ads. Okay? It was just Benzino versus Interscope, basically. And niggas laughed and chose sides. And they went over there to their side. So I don't give a fuck about what Eminem does. He called black women bitches. Called them nigga bitches. And y'all, y'all bought his fucking records. Y'all made that nigga a household name. So I don't want to hear. I don't care. I don't care. This is why we done as a people. 
We just this he was Jason Pope before Jason Pope. So it is what it is. Um I'm gonna get out of here and wrap this up. Thank you everybody that, that that donated tonight. Um I think I'm just gonna keep doing this on the main channel. I'm not gonna do this on the backup channel. This is I don't know. Because I'm I'm hard headed, I guess. Um with that being said, I'm gonna get out of here. Love and light to everybody. Hope you guys learned something tonight. Because I enjoy these movie breakdowns. I thoroughly enjoy this shit. And then next week, um, I got to get on it and, and make up for it. Oh, got a phone call. Oh, it's a Cindy. What the hell she want? Girl, what you want? No, wait, do I need to turn? Do I need to take take you off speaker? You see, look at my face. Look at the camera. Look at look at the look at your. Because you're, you're, right? you're on an iPhone, right? Because you're on because you're on an iPhone. Exact. No, because you're on a whack ass iPhone. You can't do two things at once on an iPhone. So when you see me looking at the camera like this, that's for you, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. You see how who I work for? This lady's a fucking maniac. Um, so yeah, with that being said, uh, I wish everybody love and light. I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, y'all have a good night. Peace.